In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They built recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, developed their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. Hey, everybody. I'm today with Aaron Edwards from Orbis. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Robin. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, Aaron, we uh, we met a few months ago now. Uh, we had several conversations, one of which was very interesting and important on how to prepare the different interviewers during the panel, the people that interview in the process, so as to avoid uh, some of the biggest like hurdles and problems that we see in the recruiting process as recruiters, either as external recruiters, which you are today at Orbis, or even in-house recruiters. So that's what we're going to cover today. You did a lot of preparation. Thank you for that. You shared a lot of like slides, documents, and I know that you have a whole theory about how to better coach interviewers and get valuable feedback from them. Can you tell us a bit more about maybe yourself first and then why that topic and why do you think it's so important? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a topic that I'm I'm passionate about. It's, you know, the strategy of, I, I think people talk about coaching candidates, you know, and think about that side of it. But we don't think about strategizing on, you know, the interviewer, um, especially interview panel perspective. But my name is Aaron Edwards. I've got 10 years in uh, in recruiting, specifically tech and product. Um, started with Robert Half uh, 10 years ago this year. Did that for a few years, went in-house with a $10 billion private equity company and was there for six years of, uh, of record hiring, record growth. Got to see some really, really interesting transitions. They were really pursuing becoming a true tech company. And so um, we got to build up some really exciting product and, and engineering teams there before moving over to Orbis, which is retained search specifically in the tech and product space, working with high growth startups and um, some exciting companies in the fintech and uh, in health tech space specifically. But um, yeah, excited to be with you and dive into this. All right. So w when we talked about that topic, we said that it's not recruiting 101. It's not the basics. It's something more advanced. Um, how do you coach your counterparts, interviewers, hiring managers, clients as well? So that works, again, for in-house or external recruiters, so as to get very valuable feedback from their interview and avoid, again, what are the main pitfalls that we're trying to avoid here? And you had some examples from your own experience as well. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't recruiting 101 or even really 102. This is, you know, kind of more the advanced class, that extra mile. Let's say once you're a good recruiter, you know, taking you to, you know, being at more of like a great level, you know, and really understanding that, yeah, like you said, that whole pipeline and how, how all of that drives offers versus where I think, you know, early in our careers, most recruiters just default to, oh, I've just got to find a better candidate. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I've worked both in-house and agency it doesn't matter, you know, earlier in your career, I think every, every recruiter kind of defaults to that, that mindset. But at the end of the day, we're supporting clients, whether it's in-house or whether it's, you know, an in-client through an external agency. And we focus on the relationship with the hiring manager, but rarely on building an interview process that leads to really defined specific feedback. And that's what gets the whole hiring team on board with hiring a candidate. So really nailing down that interview process and a strategy on that with the hiring manager is what's going to drive more offers, you know, impact your numbers across the pipeline, especially time to fill. And it's just, 
it's going to make the process much smoother on both sides. You might get some initial pushback from from hiring managers, especially if they've you know worked with recruiters in the past saying, "Oh, I've I've never done it that way." But I've never had I've never had a hiring manager who tried it who didn't say this is better. And so, you know, what is a a healthy interview process, right? So, you know, we typically think about the actual interviews, right? So it's the hiring manager screen, the tech screen, you know, maybe it's stakeholder panels, you know, before before an offer, but it's the process and the preparation for that that is equally, if not more so important. So that first step, that intake call with with the hiring manager. You know, if you're not doing an intake call, you know, if you're just taking notes out of, you know, out of like the HR system, you're doing everyone a disservice. That initial call is not just building that relationship. It's not just understanding, you know, what we're looking for. It's defining that process and building that strategy. And so for my checklist, when I'm meeting with hiring managers, one thing I don't leave that call without is a list of the interviewers. So who else is involved in that hiring team to make that decision? Maybe not make that decision, but influence that decision. From there, there's a pre-meet with everyone on that interview panel. And I realize that it's not realistic for every process to have that be a, a Zoom call with everyone on it, you know, especially if it's executives or higher level people in the company who are part of the interview, interview panel, they may not be able to join. But starting that process with the hiring manager from that very first call, starting to think, hey, who's going to be on that panel? What are they going to be covering? And really nailing down the specifics there, having them reach out and communicate those specifics to, to each panel member. And then also communicating what good looks like. So having, you know, having a benchmark or having an idea of what, not just a good candidate, but good feedback is going to look like. And then probably the most important piece of that is the feedback sessions. So within 24 hours of that panel interview, getting everyone together for a feedback session, ideally in Zoom, you know, or in person. But again, if you take the time to really scope out defined conversations, defined questions, and defined feedback, even if email feedback has to suffice, you know, from here, here and there, you're going to see much, much better results. So yeah, just to unpack this, the first step is really go deep into, and that's something we often say on the podcast as well, is really go deep into that intake or kickoff meeting go deep in the discovery. Don't be simply an order taker, which is yes. what you do when you start in recruiting, right? Yeah. Like, okay, that's not the good candidate. I know it when I see it. That's the worst. And that's what we're trying to avoid it here. So don't be an order taker, but rather a sparring partner. Push the manager to their limits. One thing that I like is asking who's going to be on the interview panel. That's very important. Like how many companies, what's the proportion of companies that can actually reply to this uh, straight off the bat? It feels like lots of companies don't even know what the interview panel will look like. And lots of them are just like, uh, we'll just make do with uh, whoever is available. Does that happen to you as well? Is it just, just me maybe working with more early stage companies, less structured? And then the, the other question is, how do you like, yeah, how do you avoid this and how do you get those names? I mean, I wouldn't say quite 50-50. I think I would say greater than 50% of hiring managers, you tend to at least have an idea or can hash it out on the call. But the importance of, you know, starting that conversation with that, you know, that initial um, initial intake call is it gets them thinking through it. It gets them committing to to a process. 
And then, you know, maybe homework from there is nailing into, you know, those specifics and that defined scope, you know, we can set SLAs for that, but being able to identify that on the front end is, you know, is a huge indication of if this is going to be an easy, not an easy process, but a, you know, successful process. The other thing that you mentioned is getting to know what great looks like, not only the candidate, but also the type of feedback. And I find that very interesting. So do you really ask the, the, the hiring manager, like, where at the end of the process, what would you like to see in the interview notes that would make that candidate a great candidate? And the opposite, what would be the no-goes? And try and get both of them. So later in the process, if the if the hiring manager says no, there is a cultural fit, I don't feel it. You're like, okay, but this wasn't in the original no go list. Exactly. Uh, so we have to find something that really discriminates against the candidates. Like this is not the right person. Yeah, and it's that's where hey, take great notes during that intake call. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, you know, a worksheet that you work through, like a template. If you're taking notes on your own follow up with an email to that hiring manager. Hey, here are my notes from the call, confirming that this is what we're looking for. This is the process. And this is this is our target for what good looks like. This is what would be a hire. This is what would be a no hire. Any questions, concerns? And then, yeah, if you run into, you know, an issue, you know, with a candidate down the road, you know, in writing, you can go back to the hiring manager and it's not, oh, you know, proving you wrong. You know, n- none of this is, you know, ego playing games. This is, we're trying to make sure that everyone is successful and that, you know, ultimately we're making a successful hire. And so if something changes, something changes, but holding the hire managers accountable to that. What are your tricks in that kickoff discovery meeting to go beyond if that happens? Because that's, again, that's not the majority, but that still happens. The I'll know it when I'll see it. And the, if there's a doubt, there's no doubt and those kind of things. Like, how do you go beyond this and try to get more actionable guidelines? And again, only when you're in that situation, do you have any secret weapon? Yeah. Cause you, you do run into those really difficult hiring managers sometimes where they're used to their hiring process that they've had for however long. And it's not, it's not data driven. It's, Hey, I've got a gut feeling about this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's, and I had one hiring manager verbatim tell me, you know, hey, I, I want a candidate that I can get a beer with after work, uh, <laughs> you know, talk SEC football with, you know, besides that being a clear bias, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, that's especially in a technical role, that's not what's going to make someone, you know, successful hire, you know, or not. And so it's coming back to them with as much data as you can. I think an earlier recruiter is going to come back emotionally and, you know, more seasoned recruiters going to come back with data because you can argue with emotion. You can't argue with data. And so it's saying, hey, you know, maybe it's looking at historical hiring, hiring data for that team, you know, maybe looking at their tenure versus company average. You know, can you point out that there's a discrepancy? Maybe not. But I would gather, you know, that if, if someone's making that, oh, I'll know it when I see them type of decision, that's not a good way to hire. And more often than not, I, those are the hiring managers where turnovers hire takes longer to longer to hire someone who doesn't stay as long at the end of the day. And that's, that's a data-driven conversation you can have with them. And also back to what we said earlier, this is, you need to already master the basics to have some credibility, to have your own brand, to be able to be, again, that sparring partner and not only order taker. And that takes, they're like, this one, there is no secret sauce. You just need to do the work 
get the experience, get good at your job, get like learn, read stuff, listen to podcasts, like so yes. obviously, like the, the, then get better. And this way you'll be more credible uh, with your counterpart as well when you're in that situation. All right. So that's for the kickoff meeting. Is there anything else we should know about that kickoff meeting? So I like what you said about, well, obviously defining what good looks like for the candidate, but also in terms of interview feedback and the same for what would be a, a no-go. So I like that a lot. I don't think a lot of people do this. Getting as close as possible to the interview process and probably uh, getting involved with all the panelists as well, all the interviewers as well. Then doing the uh, 24, the feedback sessions in person or in video over Zoom or whatever, within 24 hours, getting those subtle signals that you get from an actual conversation, be able to dig deeper. And doing this also obviously helps keeping the interview consistent because this way every candidate will go through the, you're just like the gatekeeper and making sure that everybody goes through the, the same process. All right. And then... What do you have to say about the process itself? So when that happens, then you start having the conversations, you start gathering the feedback. How do you how do you collect the feedback? How do you make sure it's unbiased? How do you avoid the and again, that's the worst enemy for our conversation today is, is the gut feeling, uh, the I'll I'll know it when I'll see it, uh, the I didn't like the cultural feats as, as well. Like how do you avoid all this? That's where a a defined scope for those panel conversations, I think is one of the biggest keys. You know, in that process of working with the hiring manager, you learn how they interview, you can coach them, you know, on their interview style. Um, you have much, much less control typically over, especially cross-functional, you know, panel interviewers. So if someone's coming over from the product team, the design team, you know, maybe somebody from, you know, from the executive team, they're going to want to run that interview how they run interviews for their team, which may or may not be successful in, in that case, first of all, but it's not going to be helpful, you know, or relevant to this interview specifically because it's, everyone's a puzzle piece. And so you have this small group that's being brought in to give a different perspective. It's not just to give any perspective. It's to give a specific perspective so that we have a full picture of data so that we can make a good decision. And so that's where, hey, instead of, you know, hey, Johnny product manager, you're going to interview on culture fit interview on specifically cross-team collaboration or collaboration with product managers specifically, or, you know, experience within an agile scrum environment. And then a few specific areas, even within that to dive in more deeply on. And then the feedback needs to reflect that conversation and that scope specifically. And then one of the most difficult parts of the process is wrangling, you know, all those stakeholders in the final feedback session, you can push back much more easily if there's that defined scope on the front end because you're not just being oh the difficult recruiter by saying oh hey that's not valid that's not valid feedback or oh i don't like that feedback it's hey here's what the hiring manager you know asked you ahead of time to focus on did you ask questions on that can we keep feedback relevant to that scope and so it it doesn't make the hiring manager the bad guy but what it does is keeps you from just being just the recruiter interjecting and now I'm, hey, I'm keeping the process the hiring manager set. I'm empowered to just make sure that everybody follows the guidelines. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then that way no one goes rogue. You don't end up with the, oh, I just just not a culture fit. You know, oh, just mm -hmm. had a gut, a gut feeling. Um, or my favorite, 
He said, guys on the call. <laughs> yeah, that's one that, that you showed. Can you, can, we, we talked about this, like the worst feedback you could get from clients or- So manager. the worst feedback I've ever gotten in an interview, interview feedback session, it was a, a panel interview. And the first bit of feedback from, from one of the panelists was, he said, guys, the candidate said, guys on the call. You know, which wasn't inclusive to you know to all of the interviewers. And fortunately, there was another interview in that panel call with them to you know validate or in this case invalidate that um, that feedback because that wasn't that wasn't pertinent to the role. You know, that's a that was a personal bias in that case. It's not a it wasn't a DNI issue. This type of feedback happens all the time. Like uh, it does. We mentioned like we you asked me the question when we prepared what was the worst feedback that I received. So some was like uh, just the person the way the person looks. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe the person doesn't look professional to the eyes of the interviewer. So like the person will have a mustache, for instance. Uh, the interviewer will say, "Well, that doesn't look exactly professional." That wouldn't be relevant, or at least that wouldn't be relevant for most of the roles. Some roles might be, I don't know. And then there is the other thing as well is. Um, the candidates didn't know who we were or wasn't prepared enough. And that happens as well. And so basically as a recruiter, we always say that you spend a lot of time getting those candidates, you get them interested in the company. So you have them on the call, you pitch them the company, then you present them to the hiring manager. And the first question is, why are you excited about that company? But the person is not excited in the first place. It's your role and your job to get that person excited. And if you discard that candidate based on the fact that they're not excited because maybe they don't know about the company, maybe they checked and that happens as well with our clients. You can check online and you don't understand what a company does from the, the online sources. So it's hard, very hard to get excited about a company if you don't understand what they do. And then if the hiring manager discards the candidates based on that, that's like weeks of effort that are just wasted. So one way to avoid this is just to make sure in the early stage of the discovery process, would that be a no-go for you? The person comes to the interview, doesn't know exactly about the company, is not super cautious or prepared on the company, would that be a no-go for you? In that situation, if it's a no-go, then maybe it's a real role as a recruiter to just remind the candidates to check the company or provide extra information. And then if it's not, then you cannot, at least you address this before. And then when that happens in the situation, uh, you can be like, okay, we, we agreed that this wouldn't be a reason to discard a candidate. Yeah. And I think too, one thing I've run into with hiring managers. So I've always been a sourcing recruiter. So pulling passive candidates you know, who are engaged in other, other roles, not every company, especially if they've, if somebody's only worked with internal recruiters has, you know, has worked in that process. So if somebody's only ever interviewed applicants before, you know, it's, it's understandable that they would, you know, they would say like, Hey, why have you applied? Uh, mm-hmm. So part of that too is understanding. Hey, have you have you worked, you know, with me or a recruiter that you know works with with passive candidates before? And understanding that hey, the first time they might have heard of this company is when I reach out to them. And so part of that interview process is answering questions that they have about the company, making sure that they understand and are excited about what we do. And that's what puts us in a position to hire the best candidates versus just ones that know about our company or excited about our company. Yeah. And then the other thing is that a lot of people were newer to recruiting or when it's not the job, they tend to 
assess the interviewing skills. That's something we discussed as well, like how good the person is at interviewing. And there are some skills that are useful interviewing that are not useful in the rest of your work. And most of the interviewing skills are not like sales skills, like how much did you prepare your call, your meeting, how do you present, how much do you know about the company, how can you position yourself with like the strategies, projects for the company. And it's also helpful during that kickoff and preparation meeting to remind the hiring manager that we're not here to assess based on the interviewing skills, but on the actual job skills. So, and having that experience makes it an easier conversation as well. Like you can be, okay, we interviewed a lot of, uh, we already hired a lot of people who were very good at interviewing, but not so good in a role. And then the opposite as well. And it's easier to have that conversation, right? Absolutely. I always tell people the best engineers are rarely the best resume writers and rarely the best best interviewers. Yeah. So if you ask them why they're excited about the company, maybe the answer won't be compelling, but it's not why you want to hire them anyway. So yeah. Okay. So now we're moving forward in the interview process. You also shared a list of questions. So I'll add this to the podcast description with list of questions, more for cross-functional interview questions. Uh, so as to make sure like your tasks with assessing that specific skill, what kind of questions can you can we ask for that skill? Do you want to say something about this? Yeah. So the biggest question I get from hiring managers with a hey, let's define the scope of, you know, these panel members is, oh well, I've never done that. Or you know, something very high level like culture fit, technical fit, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so what's been really helpful to me is share, hey, here's Here's a, some sample ideas that I've used in the past that have been effective. Gives them an idea of, again, what good looks like when they're setting up the scope and then communicating that to the panel members. As easy as you can make you know, that process for the hiring managers, the better the chance that they're actually going to follow through on it and you're going to be able to you know, manage the process the way that you want. So make it easy. Give them examples. You know, In this case, hey, pick two or three of these, or if you want to come up with something something different in line with this, where it has a few specific questions as well. And then we'll send out, you know, a pre-meet email where everyone has their their scope and, you know, understands and has a chance to ask questions and make sure that that they're all aligned. Do you, so those, some of those questions were like conflict resolution, for instance. So if the interviewer is tasked with assessing the conflict resolution skills, uh, you can ask, okay, uh, what's the situation where you had a disagreement or conflict with a team member? How did you approach the conflict? What was the outcome? Do you go as far as to give examples of what would be a good reply and what would be a bad reply? Like, here's what we're looking for. That's a lot of work. So you, I'm not sure you can do this for every question, but have you tried this before? Do you think it's even relevant or worth doing? In my mind, that's diving down a little bit too deep. I think at the end of the day, it's you know, looking at the pros and the cons uh, that are coming out of those conversations. And if you're scoping the conversation, the feedback is going to be relevant within that. And then you can at least have a conversation. So is that, well, you know, he, he told me that he, you know, screamed at someone, you know, on, on the offshore team because they couldn't, couldn't get something done on time. It's like, okay, well, hey, probably, probably not a great example. Did he learn anything from it? Uh, you know, would he do it again? You know, sometimes it's the next question that, you know, is, is more telling than, you know, than just like an example given or something, something like that. And so I would say, 
yeah, for conflict resolution specifically, hey, what was your low point, you know, from a, a conflict? Res- tell, tell me about a time where you, know, you had a bad day at work and then tell me what you learned about it. You know, is that a um, pattern of behavior or is that, you know, hey, you had a bad day at work just like everybody does. And now in a place of more, you know, more maturity, you know, you know, uh, you know, and you have perspective to realize that, hey, that wasn't the right way to handle something. Yeah. Most of the time you actually know uh, what good and bad replies look like. <laughs> and uh, that's also a good, a good point, like asking more questions and even as an interviewer. And that's also the other like main opposition I hear when uh, people start setting up structured interviews is like interviewers shouldn't be robots. We're not just here to go through a checklist, but it's not the goal. The goal is just like, you need to assess those specific skills. Here's the, the like the kind of weapon, so we'll say, or your toolkits to uh, assess those skills. But then you can really go deeper. You can ask follow-up questions. And the goal is to have a true conversation and not just like reading each item and say, okay, tell me about a time when you had a conflict. Okay, next. Let's uh, tell me about a time when you had to lead a team. Next. and, and Exactly. And because it's, you know, ideally you don't want it to feel, you know, like that kind of old school interview where it's like, oh, tell me about the time where you did this. Tell me about a time where you did that. But you want it to be more conversational. And so the mm-hmm. goal is, hey, here's, Here's, you know, the, the, again, topical scope, you know, a few higher level questions and then dig in from there. So it's, you're bringing in, you know, the interview panel because you do value their input. You know, if you were just as having people ask five set questions, you could have anyone on your team do that, but you appreciate the insight from interviewers specifically. The goal here is just to keep it topical, to keep it relevant and to keep the feedback consistent from candidate to candidate. All right. Uh, do you have any final tip more for the, the closing part and just making sure to tie all ends back together at the end of the process? So we went, we invested a lot into the uh, preparation, kickoff meeting, the intake, then the interview process. We caught everybody. We got the feedback in, within 24 hours. We're almost at the end. Any final piece of advice? Don't be afraid to ask and or so. You know, if if you get that piece of feedback that, doesn't feel valid, you know, or sounds ridiculous to be, you know, to be direct. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be afraid to say, so how, how does that impact whether this person will be successful in this role or not? If someone throws out feedback that is difficult or is just sometimes nonsensical, don't be afraid to push back on that. Make them expand, explain. Don't make them necessarily feel like they're defending themselves, but make them stand behind it. And it's hard to push back again with, um, especially higher level stakeholders. You know, in in scenarios like that, don't be afraid to ask ask questions and ask that ask that follow up question to make them get to the point where it's, this is why this person would or would not be a good fit. Yeah, like the, the person said, guys, and how does that impact the, the, the ability? Because. Maybe the person is not inclusive. Are you sure just because they said guys at one point in the interview process, do you have other pointers as well, other elements that would support that that idea or like that will be here? Okay, I see. Good uh, good point. Well, thanks a lot, Aaron. We'll keep on following you, especially on LinkedIn as well. Uh, thanks for sharing all this and the list of questions that I'll also include in the description. And uh, yeah, see you around. Hey, thanks, Robin. Appreciate the conversation. Hey there, this is Robert. 
most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy Day Players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week. <laughs>